0: It's Sarah.
1: This is Andy.
0: And we are together. Today is day three of recovery. And um, I felt like it would be really important for us to podcast because some pretty intense things happened today. And um, although I may sound hunky dory, I am quite perturbed. And so I just wanted to do a check-in with Andy about how he's feeling. Um, he, he discharged himself and drove himself home today. And so I want him to kind of talk through that whole experience. And then I'll kind of talk through my experience on the opposite end of that and how that was feeling. And then we'll talk about um, reuniting. So hold on to your hats.
1: So today was my last day in the hospital um I couldn't sleep very much um a lot of interruptions, a lot of uh you know taking vitals and making sure my meds are being taken um so I was pretty tired, so i just i wanted to get home um I met up with the with the doctor and we went over my medication list and um
0: and what are you taking? Like, what are all the things they recommended for you?
1: I'm taking uh, stuff to inhibit my drinking. Um, I'm taking stuff for high blood pressure. I'm taking uh, multivitamins. And I have nicotine patches. Um, yeah, and then I also have sertraline for depression. And I have Adderall for ADHD but that was before all of this but i'm actually going to start doing that as a regimen and not just do it as a you know when i remember type ordeal um so yeah tonight's my uh my first night back in my bed um with my wife since uh since it all happened um and it feels kind of surreal. It feels kind of nice uh, to be back home, um, read to the kids, uh, to put them down, give them a bath and stuff. That was really nice. Um, but yeah, so i uh, checking out. Um, <coughs> the doctor and nursing staff at the VA were very nice, very helpful. Um, they walked me out, and showed me where the pharmacy was to get all my medicine and then they walked me out to the parking lot to show where my truck was. Um, and then I, I drove home. And I'm not going to lie, part of me wanted to buy alcohol. Um, but I didn't. So I'm proud of that. But uh, one thing I did do was uh, buy some tobacco. Um, so that was that was hard. And when I had some, I didn't feel... Right, I felt nauseous um, so I got rid of it um, the at least the stuff that was in my mouth um, yeah, and then i uh I got home and I was exhausted from the driving and from the hospital stay that I just crashed in in bed with the dogs, and uh my wife wanted me to pick up. The kids and videotape it you know from school and see their reaction for seeing me and stuff um, but I ended up oversleeping so that was uh it was a pretty bittersweet moment that was ruined um, yeah and then I uh, was woken up from a phone call from my wife and uh, and she was upset <laughs>
0: So it's really interesting hearing about Andy. I feel like Andy's very much just like, this happened, and then that happened, and then that happened, and I think I'm much more about how I felt, um, and I don't know, maybe Andy's just not into his feelings right now, or maybe he's just numb, but um, for me, this morning, I actually woke up really excited. I got to go back to work today. I teach, and so I woke up kind of feeling, quote-unquote, normal, Um and got to go to work and be with my babies there. And then I got a text from Andy um, in the afternoon, early afternoon, saying that he was on his way home. And I have to be honest, my heart sank. I, As much as I want him home, um, I know that a part of our codependent relationship is that when he's home, he's quote-unquote my problem. And it felt kind of nice to be free of that burden for a few days. And so when I heard he was coming home, I instantly went into anxiety panic mode and tried to just push it down while I was at work. Um, but I've kind of gotten into this system or this rhythm of um, anticipating failure from Andy, which is not a good thing. Feeling for me to have for him, I like I feel like I need to hold myself ourselves and himself to a higher standard than that, um so yeah, when I called to see if he was getting the kids, I had just left a meeting with my boss, which I thought I would be able to do since um he had said he could go get the kids. I also physically could not get the kids because I still had a bunch of Andy stuff from his apartment that we cleaned out yesterday um. And so there was no room for car seats and there's no way that the daycare would have let our children into my van. So thankfully our, um, our respite worker was available and can go, could go and pick them up and bring them by. Um, but I, I mean, again, I, I think I just went into panic mode, um, that here we are again and I have to do everything and I have to re- be responsible for everyone, um, My mom is also here, and she also overslept. She thought she was getting them at 5, not at 4. And so she told me just to take a deep breath and that people make mistakes, and I was reflecting on that on my way home and realized that although Andy has had a very tough road and he has a very tough road ahead of him, um, I think I've started to get it in my head that he's not allowed to make mistakes, that he's already made enough mistakes and he's not allowed to do that anymore. And so I started thinking about that and was trying to wrestle with that. And um, I, to be honest, um, one of Andy's biggest issues pre-Wednesday was hiding things from me, which is the thing that bothers me the most. I think at the root of everything that's been going on with him, it's the lying and the deceit and the hiding and the secrets So um, while he was with the boys, I was going to just take a minute to be on my own and and do some vacuuming. But of course, the vacuum was out in the vehicle, as was the charger for the vacuum. Um, And so I was in Andy's truck looking around for the plug for the vacuum and came across his chew, which was hidden. Um, And so I obviously wanted to confront it right away because I'm a fight person and Andy's a flight person. And um I exploded. I don't want to do the hiding anymore. I don't want to do the the lying and the deceit. And we'll talk a little bit in um the next segment about that blowout, that blow up and kind of where we're at now. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, so we, you know, Sarah confronted me with uh, all the right reasons. Um I guess in my mind I was I was, you know, quitting alcohol and I I know that I need to quit tobacco and I know Sarah would love if I quit tobacco and I know I would be happier if I quit tobacco as well. Um but I I was on um, nicotine patches while I was in the hospital, and uh, when I was on my way home, um, I think my reasoning, whether it' right or wrong, was I'm about to give in to one addiction. I might I might as well not give in to drinking because drinking leads me down a very dark path. While well, tobacco, not so much, other than. I mean, lying. Um, So
0: when you stopped, were you actually thinking... Were you actually literally thinking, I need alcohol?
1: No, I made the decision before I stopped. And I purposely stopped at a place that I knew did not sell alcohol.
0: So they don't sell alcohol, but they do sell tobacco? Yeah,
1: well, they sold beer. It was a gas station, but they didn't sell liquor. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose. My... um, my alcohol of choice is, is vodka for 99% of the time. Um,
0: which wasn't always the case.
1: Which Yeah, no, I went to vodka because it was easier to get drunker faster. Um, and I felt like I could. And it was cheaper. Because with beer, my tolerance got so high, I'd end up having to spend 30 $40 on beer. Um, just to achieve the same thing, I could for a, a you know, I could I a, I know the prices of vodka, at multiple different places, which is not healthy as well. Um, like I know Woodman's down the street, they sell a bottle of a half gallon bottle of Woodman's for eight ninety nine, and that's the cheapest I've found it anywhere. So for, nine, under ten bucks, I could get a half gallon of vodka. Um. So yeah, that was and that would last me. A day and a half if i was doing a good bender um but yeah so uh tangent but uh yeah when i was coming home i mean i was i was fighting multiple urges um and since i was you know weaning off of tobacco it had only been 48 hours it hadn't even been um at least right 48
0: well mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was a little over 48 hours, I went in on Tuesday, and got out on Friday, oh, I went in on Wednesday,
0: hmm mm. it's only been 48 hours,
1: wow, time slows down inside a hospital, because you are so bored, well, um, also,
0: I mean, you're going to withdraw, withdrawal, so the minutes yeah. tick by,
1: yeah, um, so yeah, so I've, I had only been off of, uh, um, tobacco for 48 hours and i wasn't even off of nicotine so with alcohol i mean you can you can at least for me i i powered through the withdrawal effects within 40 48 hours i didn't have it anywhere near as bad as some people i've heard where they've had seizures and um one of the tests they had me do was hold up my hands and make sure they wouldn't you know tremor that I could hold them pretty much straight. Um
0: were you able to do that?
1: Yeah. Um not the first night, but after that, yeah. Um and it wasn't like it was never like really really bad. Yeah. It was just like twitches. Yeah. Um but I've seen that before. Um I have a few alcoholics in my family that have that pretty bad. Mm. Um <clears throat> But yeah. So, anyways, after about forty eight hours, I had, I had nixed at least the withdrawal symptoms of alcohol. The addiction, that's going to be lifetime. Um, but as far as nicotine goes, I hadn't gotten rid of that, that withdrawal symptom. the The patches did jack nothing for me. Um, so, and I have an appointment on Monday about it. Um, so I'm going to come up with a, a plan for it, but yeah, the slip up, the slip up wasn't the worst thing I did. The worst thing I did was hide it in my truck and I hit it because I was disappointed and I hit it because I, I didn't want to confront that part with Sarah
0: or yourself or yeah.
1: myself. Um, so that's why So then
0: why did you make up this story about how you didn't think that you were giving up tobacco. You thought you were only giving up alcohol.
1: Well, I knew I was giving up tobacco. I just didn't know I was giving up tobacco cold turkey today, you know. But you like, have patches, so ago. it's
0: not It's not cold turkey because you have patches.
1: Yeah, but that's that's only so much. I you can't just it's it's also like an oral fixation and i think that was one of the big things i went through in the hospital was um you know i i didn't have a like i i didn't know if i could go to a vending machine i didn't know if i could walk around the hospital so i just stayed in my room so the only things i had were the things that my wife brought me and i ate an entire large bag of dots pretzels and uh, a day
0: <laughs> but could you also do um, like ice chips
1: well, I asked for I asked for some stuff, but uh like the first night I was there, I asked for a ginger ale and she came cuz I had heartburn and she came and she gave me a ginger ale and then uh a little bit later she came and she hung an IV bag and then she took my ginger ale away and she said uh, yeah, apparently I can't give you a ginger ale. And I was like, oh. "Okay." So Did she say
0: why? Cuz it's some like dehydrated. It, I'm guessing
1: it was a detox thing. Oh. Like, they were just trying to flush my system with what they wanted.
0: Oh, I see. Well, you can hear our baby talking in the background. That's one thing that kind of, um, you know, makes everything um, quite a bit more stressful is that we also have two kids, and they're young kids. Um, They're not even school age yet, so trying to explain everything that's going on to them and trying not to have a blowout and a blow up in front of them is very difficult, especially when it's such a triggering behavior for me. Um, and that's one of those things right now that I feel like is so black and white, like you either are honest or you're not. And so I'm really hoping that once Andy gets to inpatient, which we haven't even talked about why you're not an inpatient yet, but once Andy gets to inpatient, I hope that that's something that they really dig into is trying to figure out the root of the lying and how to break that cycle. Because um, Andy's been a liar as long as he can remember. Um, and that's a long time. I mean, that was his first addiction, I think. Yeah. He was, oh, he was yeah. lying. Um, but yeah, why don't you really quick tell us why you're not an impatient already, and then we'll wrap it up.
1: Well, the main reason I'm not an impatient already is because I this all happened um, in Upper Michigan, and uh, we're Wisconsin residents, so I, I could only stay in Upper Michigan for so long. And um, inpatient residency um, doesn't have constant availability, which I think is uh, a whole nother discussion about the, the mental yeah. health network in this country. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the resources aren't there, like I was just released on a on a forty eight hour hold, and now I don't have an appointment until Monday morning at nine a.m. And if I did not have a support network in place of my wife and my parents and her, her parents and my sisters and, you know, if I didn't have any of that, I I don't know what would happen. You know, I would have I would have seventy two hours to to hold out by myself
0: with your I, you thoughts know, with
1: my thoughts i i would have to force myself i would have to make a decision to go to like aa or something to reach out for help but not a lot of people reach out for help mm-hmm. so yeah the reason i'm not in it yet is because i haven't even had a consultation and monday i might not even be admitted monday that might that's just setting up they said the, it might be
0: up to two weeks before yeah. you're admitted
1: so that's just setting up like a, a support group but again that's all i have to make the first step um which i mean that's that should always be the case is you have to make the first step um but it means that i have to make the first step every day for two weeks Mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it it's you know it's upsetting but i am committed to going um and uh you know i hope uh whoever might be listening can uh follow us on this journey and i hope i can have some sort of communication to the outside world while i'm in inpatient so i can continue to do this and and share you know within confidential <laughs> within parameters, confidential yeah. rea- parameters but i can share my personal journey through through that mm-hmm. um so All right. Well, if you have anything else to add, go right ahead. But I believe I am good.
0: So can you just tell us a little bit about where you stand now with tobacco and why and how we're going to kind of get move forward? Because I basically when Andy and I met, I told him that I wouldn't date him unless he wasn't a smoker. And unbeknownst to me, he did quit smoking, but he picked up chewing and had been chewing for three years before I even knew he'd been chewing. Um, And now here we are, um, year seven, and that's still a part of, of his life. I had, I think at one point, decided, you know what, it is the lesser of two evils. I'd rather have him chew than drink, or I'd rather have him chew than lie. Um, But I think today I had that kind of harsh realization that, like, you know what? Andy can do hard things. He just went through detox and that was hard, really hard. And I know that he's strong enough. I just don't know if he knows that he's strong enough. And so, I mean, we had to have the conversation that, like, this is a new lease on life. And if we're saying new lease on life, that means, like, you are not doing anything to, like, really murder your body. So where do you... Where do you sit now with your tobacco journey?
1: Well, I I totally agree. I I want to quit. Um, It is a matter of, you know, willpower and fortitude. But also, I, you know, Monday I have another meeting um, to set up my tobacco cessation and stuff so um tomorrow we're gonna be going through all the paperwork and whatnot to make sure that i don't miss anything and uh get everything organized um and
0: just and, trust the professionals
1: yep yeah, and make sure so again t- as far as tobacco goes and the drinking goes um you know the next couple of days are going to be tough um saturday sunday it's a weekend um, but what's nice about that is my family will be home, um, all day. Like, my wife won't have to go to work or anything. I won't have to be alone. Um, so I, I don't think it'll be too tough. Um.
0: Well, and speaking of not being alone, um, our little one is crying for daddy. Yeah,
1: he's going so with So we are
0: going to be over and out for tonight, but we're going to pick this up tomorrow and talk a little bit about, um what it means to be the caretaker of someone who kind of needs that support and, um, what it means to be the person that needs the support. So tune in tomorrow.